Hey, I'm Ed Ronco, and this is the Up North Lowdown from Interlochen Public Radio. Coming up, we hear about a big fire in Sheboygan and the environmental concerns it's caused. Also, some news about the Traverse City Film Festival. But first, we're going to court. In Antrim County on Friday, three men were acquitted of helping in the plot to kidnap Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer. And as to William Null, count one, providing material support for an act of terrorism, what is your verdict? Not guilty. For William Null, count two, possession of a firearm at the time of the commission or attempted commission of a felony, what is your verdict? Not guilty. Sighs of relief in the courtroom there from supporters of William Null, his brother Michael, and Eric Molitor, as all were deemed not guilty by the jury. IPR's Michael Livingston was there for the verdict, and now he's here to walk us through it all. Hey, Michael. Hey, Ed. Let's begin with these not guilty verdicts against these three men. Remind us what was at stake here. These were not light crimes. They carried hefty prison sentences. Yeah, so these guys were charged with providing material support to an act of terrorism, plus an additional firearm charge. Those together could have got them a sentence of more than 20 years. The terrorists in this case are Adam Fox and Barry Croft Jr., and you may have heard those names because they're the convicted ringleaders of the plot. They're both serving time after they got a guilty verdict in federal court. Folks showed up not knowing what was going to happen. And if these men would have been convicted, they would have had to go straight to jail. Of course, that's not what happened. And they were able to drive out of Bel Air with their families and supporters. These deliberations, Michael, took about a day and a half. I think the jury began Thursday morning. They wrapped it up before lunch on Friday, well before lunch, I think around 11 in the morning. Uh, What did the attorneys have to say about the verdicts? Because I imagine once court let out, you were able to walk up and start asking questions. That's right. Yeah, the defense was obviously very grateful to the jury. They also were very thankful to Circuit Court Judge Charles Hamlin for conducting a very professional courtroom, given how much publicity was on this case. Molitor himself said it felt like a huge weight was lifted off his shoulders. You know, this trial has been lasting, you know, more than three weeks, but these men had been living with these charges for over three years since they were initially arrested in 2020. Molitor said the whole thing lit a fire under him and that he wants to remain politically active. I don't hate my government and I don't hate police. Um, that's, and I'm not a liar. The actual prosecution team, which included Assistant Attorney General William Rolston, declined to comment immediately after the verdict. But the AG's office had issued a press release pretty much right away, and it said that the verdict is not what they hoped for, but that they're satisfied with other successful convictions in previous cases. And remind us, Michael, because 14 people overall have been charged in connection with this failed plot to kidnap Governor Whitmer. So what is the record of convictions to acquittals here? Right. If you're keeping score in yeah. state and federal court, right, it, that would be nine convictions versus five acquittals. Okay. Has the target of this plot, Governor Gretchen Whitmer herself, had anything to say about the verdict? Well, her chief of staff uh, also put out a release uh, calling the verdict disappointing. She said it will, quote, further encourage and embolden radical extremists trying to uh, sow discord and harm public officials or law enforcement. But no comment from the governor herself on this yet. That's right. And Michael, you've spent a lot of time in the courtroom with this trial, days upon days, uh, hearing from witnesses and attorneys. But I'm curious what else was going on, because I imagine there were a lot of people in the gallery 
watching this all unfold, just like you were? Yeah, no, good question. Nobody was completely certain what was going to happen before that jury came out. And I think as the trial went on, uh, you know, it brought more and more people out of the woodwork. They kept us waiting a very long time. I remember uh, there was a Washington, D.C.-based filmmaker who's producing a film about the plot that leans very heavily on the side of the defendants. Uh, there was a woman who drove from Manistee. She said she drove you know, almost three hours to watch this, and she clapped when the uh, verdicts were read. There were definitely a lot of you know people like that uh, coming up and showing support for these defendants, including their families. Lots of sighs of relief, lots of tears as the jury read their verdict. IPR's Michael Livingston, uh, after covering the trial of three men who this week were acquitted in the plot to kidnap Governor Gretchen Whitmer. Thanks for your time, Michael. Thank you. The Up North Lowdown returns right after a break. Hey, kids, commuters, let's hang out and play Saturday, September 23rd in the Denos Museum Center Sculpture Court. It's the Kids Commute Live rhythm-themed matinee featuring our friends in Six Mile Strings. We'll have pre-concert activities starting at 10 with a percussion petting zoo, a rhythm-themed art activity, and a guided experience with the sound wall. The performance with Six Mile Strings starts at 11 o'clock. Let's learn all about rhythm together. You, me, Kate Patello, and our friends in Six Mile Strings at the Denos Museum, Saturday, September 23rd. This is a free concert. You can register at our website, classicalipr.org. See you there! You might not know it, but there's a mysterious little creature loitering in the inland waters of the Great Lakes region. Jellyfish? Really? I didn't know we had jellyfish. We got jellyfish! I'll be darned! Freshwater jellyfish have been here since 1933, but we still don't know much about them. Next time on Points North, we go on a quest for the peach blossom jellyfish and ask why, after all these years, they remain such an enigma. That episode of Points North is now available. You can listen to it wherever you're hearing this podcast. Welcome back to the Up North Lowdown. I'm Ed Ronco. We're three quarters of a mile north of the fire. As I look downtown, I can see a huge plume of gray smoke coming from the site, and um, I've never seen a fire this big in town before. That's the voice of Owen Goslin, who grew up in Sheboygan, speaking to IPR on Wednesday as he and many others watched an enormous fire near the city's downtown area. Part of the Tissue Depot, the latest name of a beleaguered paper mill that's changed ownership multiple times, went up in flames this week. Here's Sheboygan City Clerk Alyssa Singles talking to us the day of the fire. Multiple police sirens, fire sirens going out. We saw black smoke in the air. So it really kind of has been going since 11 some this morning. And as far as we know in regards to the building, we know that the roof has collapsed and one of the wall parallel with Main Street of that building has collapsed onto Main Street. Roads were closed, school was canceled, and residents of the city were told to stay indoors and close their windows. That shelter-in-place warning came because the building that burned had a lot of plastic in it, and burning plastic gives off toxic fumes. There were also concerns about possible asbestos in the collapsed roof. And as firefighters used 
thousands of gallons of water to knock down the flames, a new concern arose. The firefighting water itself um, can be contaminated with materials from the site. Jeff Johnston is the spokesman for the Michigan Department of Environment, Great Lakes, and Energy. We've been engaged in efforts to keep that water from entering the local waterway. The Sheboygan River is not far from the scene of the fire, and it empties into Lake Huron, just about one and a half miles to the north. We've got vacuum trucks that will actually suck that up off the water and pooled water that's around the fire site. Uh, At this point, there's about 20,000 gallons of firefighting water that's going to be collected. They're collecting water in a tank on site, and we'll decide what to do with it later. They've also blocked off storm drains and placed barriers in the river to keep debris from drifting away. County officials ask residents not to fish at the dam or downriver from it, and not to mow lawns or do other things that could raise up dust until more testing can be done. Officials are still trying to figure out exactly what caused the fire. Okay, let's find out what else is news in our neck of the woods. The United Auto Workers Union is on strike. This is big news in Michigan, where obviously the auto industry was born and is still largely centered. If the strike continues long enough, it could affect the national or even global economy. Talks between the UAW and automakers were sluggish ahead of the expiration of their previous contract on Thursday. That deadline came and went without a new agreement, and as promised, the UAW is striking, but only at some plants. In an effort the union says will create the maximum leverage by creating uncertainty for the automakers. Lawmakers held a hearing in Lansing this week about several bills that would repeal abortion-related laws. Those measures that could be repealed include requiring that patients get materials describing the fetal growing process, as well as a 24-hour waiting period before an abortion and a ban on Medicaid covering abortion care. Traverse City has a new city manager. Benjamin Marantet was chosen unanimously by city commissioners. He was previously the city clerk. The Record Eagle reports that commissioners interviewed a total of five candidates for the job. Marantet takes over for interim manager Nate Geinzer, who was hired after former city manager Marty Colburn was dismissed in April without much public explanation. The Traverse City Film Festival is back, but not quite how it used to be. Before, there was a summer event that brought glitz and celebrities and moviegoers to town for a week full of screenings and talks. But filmmaker and festival co-founder Michael Moore announced in May that the Summertime Festival would end this year. This week, he announced that in addition to the usual first-run mainstream films, the State Theater will do something a little different on Tuesdays, screening a selection of hand-picked indie and foreign films from the past year in the spirit of the previous week-long summer festival. The plan is to continue that throughout the year, 52 Tuesdays. It starts October 3rd. First up, an eco-thriller called How to Blow Up a Pipeline. That'll do it for the Up North Lowdown this week. Thanks for listening. We had contributions from Michael Livingston and Izzy Ross. Max Copeland is our producer. I'm Ed Ronco. Music is by Blue Dot Sessions. 
We are a production of Interlochen Public Radio. And if you're a regular listener to this podcast, you know that IPR turned 60 this summer. If you're interested in where we're going as a station, we hope that you'll join us in Traverse City next week. Our executive director, Peter Payette, will host a talk looking back at our first six decades, but maybe more importantly, looking forward to what IPR is going to do in the decades ahead. This is happening Monday, September 25th at the main branch of the Traverse Area District Library. You can find links to attend online if you like, or RSVP for the in-person event with pizza, we should add, at iprnews.org. Okay, that is all we have to say to you this week, but we have one more thing for you to hear. You want to wear the headphones oh, no, and I can point the mic? Okay. Yeah, okay. Our sonic send-off. If you had to get collect sounds from the lake, what would you collect? No water. <laughs> the latest episode of Points North is all about jellyfish, or jellies, as scientists say, since they're not... Not technically a fish. It looks like a sand dollar. A clear, a translucent sand dollar. It has that pattern. It's beautiful. They're so cool. Do you guys want to see one? Anyway, you heard a preview of that episode a few moments ago, but there's some great sound in there. So we leave you now with just a little bit of what it's like to look for jellies in Michigan's fresh water. Thanks again for listening. Have a great week. And let us know if you find any jellies. How would you describe it? We were on clear, clear. Yeah, if you didn't know, you might even think it was something else, like just filaments and things. You'd see like pieces, but not the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. There's a really tiny one too. This one's almost like impossible to see. Oh, I see it. You see it? Yeah. Oh, I lost it. You lost it. Oh yeah, it's right in this corner. You got good eyes. No. It's like the size of a tiny little pebble. Yeah.